0: you know, the, uh, the verse that Troy had asked me, uh, sort of the intro was the joyful heart brings, uh, is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bones. And so my prayer as I was, uh, listening to that awesome music this morning, which by the way, music team, man, y'all set me up right on a tee. That was great. Um, was that the Lord would help something that I say be a couple of drops of good medicine for you this morning. Um, so, um, so we're going to be talking about joy. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for this expression of joy uh, for having me. And it brings me great joy to be with you. And I hope to share some joy with you today. That sounds kind of weird, right? Uh, that was my point. Uh, joy means a lot of different things, okay? So uh, it can be an emotion. We can, joy can be an emotion. Joy can be an expression uh, joy can be something that you tap into, like a source, like a, a like coal under the earth, um, and it can be a state, uh, a state of happiness or a state of being. Um, all of these are important, uh, but uh, so you can feel it, you can express it, you can tap into it and possess it, and you can have you can be in a state of it. The main thing we're going to be talking about this morning is um, how to tap into the source of joy and how to remain in a state of joy. Uh, and then the emotion and the expression of joy are going to follow from those things, okay? Um, so you guys probably remember back in September of 2021, I'm sure, where we talked about um, when I was here with you, and we talked about uh, the view glasses that people wear. So if the ushers could come forward and hand out those pop tests that I had asked... Um, I, you know, I really don't expect anyone to remember much of that but um, here's where I'm coming from as a psychologist uh, I like to talk about the glasses that we wear okay? so um, I'm blind as a bat, I have contacts in now and reading glasses too for everything that's close up uh, and I actually got hearing aids two weeks ago so uh, I'm covered <laughs> uh, I don't have them in today though so you know any of you ladies with a high-pitched voice, you're going to have to give it to me in sign language. Um, okay, Okay. so I'm going to be referencing this idea uh, throughout this morning. We all wear glasses. Um, for me, mine, I wear real glasses, and, and the prescription or the tint of the lens that I look through affects what I see. Okay, It affects what, how I make sense of the world around me. I want you to think of, your, of the glasses that we all wear, your brain, like, a, like your belief system, okay? So as you're looking at the world through your belief system, um, that affects, or uh, determines really how you feel about something and how you behave. Um, uh, I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, my beliefs about God, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at life through a God-centered world and life view, My you know. Um, my beliefs about God and myself and life are going to dictate how I feel emotionally and how I behave. So a quick example. Um, uh, just from, a, well, I don't need a show of hands. I imagine both, a lot of people in here are, are fans of Alabama's softball team. And, um, and so you're viewing the um, the news about Montana Fouts um, through Alabama glasses, Okay. And so at some point today, apparently she's on a day-to-day, um, hour-to-hour sort of situation. If you hear the news that she's been cleared to pitch today, then, then it goes through your lens and you feel excited and relief. And you, your behavior, you're going to cheer. Now, if you're looking at through the MTSU glasses, who is, I think, what the, who they play today, and if you hear the same exact news that's outside of our control, you know whether she's cleared or not, um, you hear that same news, but you're looking at it through MTSU glasses, you're going to feel despair. <laughs> uh, I would not want to face her. Uh, that's, she's too close. Throwing it 70-something miles an hour from that far away, uh, that's scary. Um, but you would feel despair in your behavior, um, and you might sort of drag your bat to the to the box there. Um, but there are situations outside of our control circumstances, and we're all looking at it through a pair of glasses and based on what's on here is going to help us. It is going to really uh, determine how we respond emotionally and behaviorally. Okay. So just like a train that's driven by an engine and, and you got the, the cars after it, the caboose, you know, um, Think of the train, the engine driving this thing is your brain and your belief system. And then you got your emotions and behaviors. You're just following on along. Okay. Okay. Enough about that. Let's go back to explaining the concept of joy, but I had to set the tone. Okay. So joy is different than happy. Um, You're going to hear those words a lot in our culture, just sort of thrown around, but happy and joy can both be emotions but happy is an adjective, okay? So happy describes a thing. You could say happy girl, okay? It describes the girl. And then, um, but joy is a noun. Joy is a thing. Uh, the girl has joy, okay? Uh, so happy is shallower, and it's based really more on circumstances, uh, whereas joy is deeper. Uh, it usually comes from within, and it's, it's often spiritually based, uh, someone once said that happiness is on the face, uh, but joy is in the heart. Um, you can, a person can pursue happiness, but you choose joy. So, but our secular culture, and, and what I mean by that is um, non-spiritual, okay? our secular culture would say that the main way to foster joy within ourselves is to change our internal thoughts to be more positive, to be kind to yourself, to forgive yourself, to accept yourself, uh, to seek humor in situations, um, and even to appreciate nature. Uh, In other words, the culture is going to tell us that to be joyful or to have joy, we need to become an optimist and change our perspective and and learn to tell good jokes and learn to laugh and appreciate stuff. And that all sounds fine, um, but you hear all those changes are behavioral changes, okay? Go do these things. And then you're going to have this emotion of joy. Um, but the Bible really comes at it from a different point of view uh, because those things are going to work temporarily. But unless you change your belief system, unless you change your view, then it's not going to last in the face of suffering and, and difficulties. Okay, So what the Bible would say is that the main pathway to joy is a belief change. Joy is a state of being that's rooted in my beliefs, um, or as I like to say, my view of God and myself and life. So who, you know, who's who God is, who I am, and, and what is the meaning of life? Um, so, so we have joy because, the Bible would say that we have joy because of the grace that has been given to us in Jesus. Um, so I can be in a state of joy, and I can feel joy, and I can express joy, no matter what the circumstances may be, uh, because no matter what's going on in my life, uh, there's, some, there's some things that are true. God is always near. God's always in control. Uh, God always knows what the future holds. And God's all, God always has my best interest at heart. Uh, now, I may sound like a broken record, because every time I come out here, I, I seem to be talking about the omnis of God, omnipotence, omniscience. Don't worry, I'm going to hit on that again today, okay? Because I think it's such a fundamental truth that if it's not here, then everything else kind of folds, okay? So, but in reference back to the secular view of joy, the Bible would teach that all those behavioral suggestions of learning to laugh and learning to appreciate nature and and forgiving myself and, and accepting, all those behavioral suggestions and techniques become possible and more effective after you change your beliefs and views. Okay? I'm not knocking those things, but without the fundamental change here, they just they're just temporary. So true joy as the Bible would describe it can exist with sadness and fear and anger, but happiness can't. Okay. So What we're going to be talking about today, that's my intro, (laughs) Uh, here's the general flow. Some people like to know where I'm going. Uh, What is joy? How did we lose it? How can we get it back? And what happens then? That's kind of where I'm going. Okay, so if it's really true, Al, that joy is a state of being based on what we've been given that can't be taken away, then how could we possibly lose it? What can rob us of it? Because, you know, God doesn't change, and grace doesn't change. So what's the deal, Al? How did we lose it? Well, the only one left in that equation is us. We change. Um, our glasses are smudged and broken. It's like somebody kind of dropped them on the ground mm-hmm. and stomped on them a little bit. That's what happened when my sin nature kicked in, okay? So there's a guy named Dr. Warren Wearsby. He's a pastor and an author, and, and, um, and he's written a commentary on... I think every book of the Bible. Um, One of my favorites is his one on Philippians. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, He entitles it, Be Joyful. Uh, And in this commentary, um, he talks about four joy stealers in the book of Philippians. And it's kind of convenient that Philippians has four chapters. and So it kind of flows. Um, But Dr. Wearsby would say that there are four things that steal our joy. Circumstances people, things, and worry. So let's talk about these for a minute. Circumstances. How do circumstances steal our joy? Well, I assume that you guys are all like me and that you uh, you prefer that things go your way, right? Um, like I'm, I tend to be happy when my team wins, uh, when the check clears, uh, when we close a deal in business, uh, when our kids get accepted to some club or a team or now, especially when the doctor tells me that my blood work looks good. I like that. Um, but have you ever stopped to realize how little control we have over our circumstances? Like zero. Uh, in fact, we probably don't control much anything. Um, as I've said to you guys in the past, God is the one who's in control. God is omnipotent, or omnipotent is a good way of thinking about it. Potent means powerful. Uh, I am omni-weak. I'm omni-limited. Uh, So, I don't control the weather, the scoreboard, the genetics, the traffic, uh, although the traffic was perfect this morning. Thank you, God. Um, So, if our joy is dependent on circumstances, then we're definitely on a roller coaster ride, so you better buckle up. It's going to get bumpy. If circumstances are the source of your joy, then circumstances will steal your joy. Okay? Okay? People. How do people steal our joy? Well, people can be awesome, encouraging, and loving um, some of the time. And in fact, research suggests that you would be mentally and physically ill without people. Um, We even grow more spiritually when we're in a group. I bet Troy's talked about that. But people are also broken. And have you ever thought to yourself how great life would be without all the irritating people? (laughs) Uh, doesn't it seem like everyone else is a bad driver? Uh, I've even heard people say that church would be fantastic if it weren't for the people. I mean, that's true. After God, it's all a step down, you know. Uh, so people steal our joy um, by what they give us and what they don't give us. You know, people give us hassle and, and arguments and, and trouble sometimes Uh and they don't give me what I want, which is approval and acceptance. So uh, uh, let's go back to Genesis. You know, Adam had a pretty good deal. He had a pretty good setup. You know, it was him and God and, and friendly animals that didn't bite him. And, and then God said, okay, let's, I think you need some more people. So he brought some people in there and then sin entered the world. And, uh, and people have been hurting people ever since. So if people are the source of your joy, then people will steal your joy, okay? So let's talk about things. How does things steal our joy? Well, some things are nice. God doesn't hate things. Uh, He created you with eyes to see them, ears to hear them. Uh, Your taste buds help you taste it. Um, He meant for us to really like the things that he created. Um, But nice things were never meant to be worshipped, and that's the problem. They don't last, and they don't satisfy. And you've heard it said that the more things you own, the more things own you. Have you ever heard that before? The more thing—it's kind of a tongue twister. The more things you own, the more things own you. Luke twelve fifteen says, "A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions." In other words, he who dies with the most toys wins is not a true statement. I hate to break it to you. Proverbs twenty-three, four through five is one of my favorites. Uh, he says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will fly off to the sky like an eagle. If things if things are a source of joy to you, then things will steal your joy. Fourth one is worry. How does worry steal our joy? Well, worry is probably the worst joy stealer of all because it's sneaky and silent and deceptive. You Think about it. Worry can attach itself to a circumstance, a thing or a person. Uh, It can grasp the the past. Worry can grasp the present and it can also grasp the future. It markets itself as wisdom. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes people say, say to me, Al, don't... Don't tell me not to worry because worry has been safe, has protected me all this time. It markets itself as wisdom, but it makes you a fool. Worry offers safety, but it kills literally. Um, so worry is different than the other the three circumstances, people and things. Cuz worry is a verb, it's an action, it's a behavior. Worry is a mental behavior. And the other ones are nouns, you know, circumstances, people and things. Um, And then circumstances, people and things, they're each in their own category, but worry can be focused on any of the three. (laughs) Now, here's one thing that's really interesting about worry. Worry can steal something without actually stealing it. It's like virtual theft. Um, If we worry we might lose a circumstance, a person or a thing, then it's basically the same thing as actually losing it. And if our significance and worth was in that circumstance, person, or thing, then our joy is gone, it's stolen. So those are the four joy stealers. But wait, there's more. Uh, worry actually reveals that there's even deeper stuff, okay? Um, a deeper cognitive and spiritual problem. And we, if we really think about it, we realize that our joy was actually more lost than stolen. Okay? The Bible describes sin as building or misplacing your worth and identity in something other than God. Um, In other words, finding our greatest meaning, significance, and security in anything other than God. In other words, worshiping other gods besides the one true God. Okay, so this is stated in the first two of the Ten Commandments. Uh, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. And... Don't make idols. if you think about it, the other eight that follow after that, where you about stealing and killing and lying, those really aren't necessary if you get the first two right. I'll let Troy unpack that later. I'll just set you up for a sermon series. Tyler? <laughs> okay, so our first problem occurred when we put our significance and security in anything other than God. We misplaced it in our careers. We misplaced it in college sports, relationships, money, power, how cool our kids are. It's so easy. We have to fight it every day. These circumstances, people and things are just screaming at me, begging me to worship them. Uh, but they were designed to be enjoyed and not worshiped. So, Because they're not stable enough to hold my weight. Uh, and they're too temporary to really provide any lasting meaning or purpose in my life. And they're, they're really going to betray me and they're going to disappear, you know, like, like the proverb, I'm going to fly off to the sky. Um, so by putting our significance and security and created temporary unstable things, our significance becomes vulnerable and stealable and losable. So we lost our joy when, when we lost sight of the truth about who God is, who we are, and the meaning of life. All right, so what is the effect of losing sight of these truths? What happens? If you lose your joy, what happens? Well, lost joy leads to hopelessness because really the opposite of joy is hopelessness. So life without meaning or purpose eventually produces despair and hopelessness. From a mental health point of view, um, once you've lost hope, uh, people typically sink into anxiety and depression. So back to the glasses analogy, um, our emotions, how we feel, and our behaviors, what we do, uh, they're flowing, they're, they're following from my beliefs and views, okay? So if I have a hopeless view of life, then my emotions sink into anxiety and depression, and, my, and any positive behaviors I've, I've been doing are just going to grind to a halt, Okay? Um, If your view, if your belief is hopelessness, obviously hopelessness leads to broken relationships, um, uh, substance abuse, uh, um, physical health problems, um, even suicide. Uh, So it's a pretty serious problem. That's what happens when we lose our joy. Well, how do we get it back? Um, All right. So since we lost our joy by losing sight of the truth about ourselves and God and life, we got to get it back by finding the truth about God and ourselves and the meaning of life. In order to restore our joy, we must renew our mind. Okay, think glasses. All right, Romans twelve two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jeremiah seventeen five through eight, one of my favorites. All right. Jeremiah is comparing two people, one guy who puts his trust in the flesh which, you know, substitute circumstances, people, things, self, right there, versus the other guy who puts his trust in God. And so, uh, forgive me, but I want to read it to you, because it's it's pretty amazing. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength. Circumstances, people, things, self. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when... It comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Not a good neighborhood. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes because its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So it's so interesting to me that he's talking about this one guy who puts his confidence in the flesh, it's not that this guy never has prosperity. Good things happen to me. He's he's maybe successful in various things, but even in prosperity, he doesn't even see it. And then the other guy who puts his confidence in the Lord, it's not like, oh, well, if you're a Christian, everything's going to be rosy for you. No, he's saying right here, there's going to be heat that comes, but your leaves will always be green. There's going to be a drought, maybe a whole year. But you're always going to bear fruit. One more. Philippians chapter 4. The Lord is near. Now this next part is going to be real. uh, um, uh, Y'all going to recognize this one. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Finally, brothers, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, all these, these passages, Romans, Jeremiah, Philippians, and I could go on, are talking about renewing our mind. Um, this this list in Philippians of whatever's true and right and noble and pure, what a great list of things to actively consider. This might be a good homework assignment. <laughs> uh, but it's a, that's a behavior. You here it's based on a belief. Okay. Um, so we, w- in order to get our joy back, we have to renew our mind. I want to talk about some specific things we need to renew our mind about. We need to renew our mind by focusing on what we know to be true about God. Okay, this is where I get to the omnis part again. Uh, there's, there's really, there's four biggies, four true things about God that we really should never, we should never forget these and we should think about it every day. First is God is omnipresent. He's ever present. He's always with me. God never takes his eyes off of me. Um, Psalm 139 is a good one for that. Uh, even when you want God to take his eyes off of you, he doesn't. God will never leave you or forsake you um, because of what Jesus has done for you. So, uh, and um, I forgot uh, the guy's name who was just up here talking about the mission scene. Yes, he said it. And I was like, yes, amen, brother. On the cross, Jesus was forsaken and abandoned so that you and I never would be. If you think about that, Jesus was crying out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's the only time that that person wasn't heard. If you and I cry out for that, we're always heard. Because Jesus was forsaken, we never will be. Man, do we really believe that God is omnipresent? Do you really believe that? Number two, omniscient. God's all-knowing. So God's plan is best. It's certainly better than mine. He knows exactly where I've been, where I am, where I'm going. Um, but from my perspective, I still feel, uh, well, from God's perspective, I'm still on plan A, okay? But from my perspective, I'm on like plan double Z by now from all the stupid decisions I've made and, and mistakes here and there. Can you imagine what heaven would be like if, if God was constantly having to crumple up his, his plan for Al just because of stupidity in my life, I mean, do you think God's really up there crumpling it up, throwing it down, and get someone to get me a pencil? And he's redoing it. Okay, so he did this. So now we got to. No, from God's point of view, I'm still on plan A. God knows the day of my birth, the day of my death, and everything in between. If you know the two endpoints, you got the middle. And he, and and I I am. It feels like I'm just doing stupid things all the time, but God's sovereignty is in control and God is determined to use the choices that I make. A lot to think about. We're so afraid that God isn't going to let our lives go according to our plans. How dumb is that? Uh, in the words of the late Tim Keller, which I don't know if you, you all know, Tim Keller died this week. Um, he was one of my heroes. Um, in, the late, in, in the words of Tim Keller, God always gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. In other words, if I knew everything God knows, then I would make the same decisions God makes about my life. Man, that's a hard one. If you think of the top two bad things in your life, and, 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 and the Bible teaches, and Tim Keller is pointing out here that that if I knew everything God knows, then I would have asked him for that? Are you kidding me? But in God's sovereignty, that's true. Do we really believe that God is omniscient? Another thing that's true about God is that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He owns everything. He's control of everything. He provides everything you have. Uh, yeah, your job, my job as a man, we're to be faithful stewards, yes. But God is the owner of all things, And the owner handles all the results. Um, So God's God and I'm just a man. But when I try to be God, I get overwhelmed. Because I'm not qualified. I'm omni-weak. I can hardly control myself or my kids. Uh, I have nothing to worry about because God is omnipotent. Do you really believe that? One more thing about God. God is good. He really loves you. He really cares about you and your kids. He gives you food, lifespan, shelter, clothing. God does care if you get hurt, but more importantly, he wants you to grow. And that looks like moving toward him and becoming like him. Matthew 7, even good earthly fathers don't give stones for bread or snakes for fish. And God's a perfect father. So if even good earthly fathers know that and God being the perfect father, he, he's got that one. If I'm ever wondering whether God really loves me, <clears throat> I just think about Jesus on the cross. He could have come down, but he stayed. Uh, have, have any of you guys ever heard of the love test? The love test sort of goes like this. If you love me, then you'll do X, Y, Z for me. Um, well, Jesus passed the love test on the cross. So there's really no need to question that anymore. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm going to always feel like it's right. But then I got I to gotta look at my views and my beliefs and realize Jesus died for me on the cross. He passed the love test. Do you really believe that God is good, that he loves you and cares about you? Okay, another way of renewing our mind is focusing on that was all stuff about God. Now we're going to talk about renewing our mind to focus on, on what we know to be true about ourselves. Okay, a little different picture here. I'm a sinner. I'm hopelessly incapable of cleaning myself off. Uh, I have more sin death than I could ever repay. Uh, and I deserve to be cut off from God in heaven. Mm, awesome. But I've been saved by God's grace through Christ's death and resurrection. Christ paid the debt that I couldn't afford. He's got plenty of money to pay off my debt. With his blood, he washed me head to toe. Uh, You know, I was a slave to sin, but Christ bought me and set me free. Uh, I was lost. Now I'm found. I am dearly loved by God Almighty, the creator of the universe, and he wants me to be with him forever. (laughs) He has me in his hand, and he'll never let me go. Can somebody give me an amen? Amen. Next, we need to renew our mind by focusing on what we know to be true about life. Okay, so let's go back to the circumstances, people, and things. Uh, There's a fun quote that uh, one of my friends said one time. Circumstances, people, and things in life don't make me the way I am. They reveal the way I am. (laughs) Collar gets a little tight on that one. So, in other words, circumstances, people, and things... They don't make me angry, but they can reveal the anger within me. You know, I would prefer circumstances to go my way, but I'm actually a lot more humble when they don't. (laughs) Uh, Getting my way all the time would actually ruin me. Um, I keep thinking I'd like to try that one out. You know, I keep bargaining with God. Just give me all the things I want, all the circumstances, and and I'll prove to you I can be good. Fortunately... uh, He knows me better than that. Um, When it seems like your circumstances are always terrible, it's crucial to look up and look around um, outside of ourselves for a clearer perspective. Uh, Someone once said, I used to complain that I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. So then we get into this thing, uh, expectations versus reality, so kind of. Hang with me for a moment here. Reality is what it is. It's outside of my control. Um, but my expectations can vary. Okay. So reality is what it is. Um, my expectations can be either higher or lower than that. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, let's talk about, let's say you're going on on, on a trip, and they say, um, Let's say you check into the Holiday Inn, okay, and if your expectation is that it's a honeymoon suite, you're going to look around and go, man, this place is a dump. If, if you think you're going to a prison cell, you're going to think, man, this place is pretty cool. I like it. It's nice. They're going to clean this every morning? Uh, so if your expectations exceed, this is reality, if your expectations exceed reality, you're going to be unhappy, if your expectations are lower than your reality, you're going to be happy. That probably makes sense to everybody. Right? I was going to use an example from sports, but I think I talk about sports too much. So I went with, honey, with the holiday in. Uh, another thing in life, you know, we're just talking about how we're renewing our mind about life. Another thing about life is that we all want to be loved and accepted. So this is about people. I mean, I sure would prefer that all people love me. Um, but does anyone really have time for that? (laughs) And is that even realistic? Do you want to be like the Beatles and everywhere you go, thousands of people are screaming and chasing you as you go down the aisle of the grocery store? No, thank you. Uh, But seriously, there will be some some people who will love me and some people who will hate me for the exact same reason. Uh, It's like being from the South, you know. Um, There are some people who... Uh, hear me talk and they like me because I'm a southern guy and then there'll be the same somebody out in the same place who's not from the south who thinks I'm stupid just because I sound like this but it's exact the same accent uh, I, I can't control that I don't know what criteria they're being used to judge me all I'm really good at is being myself and I sure hope you like it but I can live with it if you don't because I know that my dog and the creator of the universe are really fond of me. <laughs> and my wife and kids too. In case they're listening to this later, I need to add that. Uh, there's one thing I can control though, and that's how I will treat you. How I treat other people. Because uh, I know that you're just like me and you want to be loved and accepted too. Okay? So guess what? I can give you what you want. Jesus told us to love one another. Uh, And that would be love in action. You know, I don't do it perfectly, but I can focus more on you and less on me. And that helps work on the people problem a little bit. Uh, Okay, and still focusing on on, on renewing our mind about life. Let's talk about things for a second again. Um, Things are awesome. God made them for us to enjoy, Uh, but they don't last. So if I make things too important, then they own me instead of me owning them. So let's not ruin our things by worshiping them. Things are good. Let's don't ruin them. Uh, they aren't the meaning of life. All right. So we've got God, uh, life, um, people, and things. Uh, let's renew our, we need to renew our mind by focusing on what we know to be true about suffering. Suffering hurts. Guess what? God hates it. He's gone to great lengths to end it forever, and it will end. But suffering is a normal part of this broken world. Uh, suffering always has a purpose, even when we don't see it yet. Uh, and just because it doesn't make sense does, to me doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to God. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, there's, my kids would prefer to not go to the doctor and get a shot. That's suffering to them. Um, and that may, but it makes perfect sense to me. So I hold him down. <laughs> Just kidding. I, let, I make the doctor do that. That's what they get paid to do. I sit back and go, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll get ice cream later. Suffering refines us. It strengthens us. It changes us, okay? Uh, it, it brings us to the end of ourselves, and it draws us to Christ, and that's always a good thing. Suffering makes us realize that this earth isn't our home. In our gut, we know that life is supposed to be better than this, don't we? There's something wrong. Guess what? It's going to be better forever. Lastly, we need to renew our mind um, by focusing on what we have in Christ. What do we have in Christ? We have eternal life. We have a promised, guaranteed, eventual end to pain and suffering. I got the power to live in freedom. Without a fear of condemnation. I got the power to love freely. Without expectations that it's, it's not going to be returned. Um, I got the power to give of my resources. Without fear of running out. Um, meaning in life and purpose. Uh, in life. Uh, that's what we get another thing from Christ. You're not a random collection of chemicals. Okay, I don't care what the scientist tries to tell you. You're not just dreaming like you're in this matrix of delusion, for those of you who've seen the movie. You were created for a relationship both now and forever with God, where all things will be restored. Okay, so what's the effect of renewing our mind? We talked about how we lost our joy because our mind got broken. Um, what to do about it to fix it. If we can do that, then what's the effect of renewing our mind with truth? Well, understanding my true identity in Christ and our eternal relationship with Christ directly produces joy, regardless of circumstances. Okay, so the Apostle Paul—this is how he could be joyful in the midst of some bad circumstances. Philippians four eleven through twelve, he talks about. Um, he says, "I've learned to be content, um, whether in the middle of, of bad circumstances, whether I'm well fed or hungry, rich or poor." He he says the word, "I've learned the secret of being content." In any of these circumstances. Well, what's the secret, Paul? Give it to me, bro. Well, the secret has to do with what's written on Paul's glasses, okay? Paul's view of God and himself and life. He had a pretty clear, accurate, truth based view, okay? His glasses were still got some smudges on them, but, but a little cleaner than mine. His views, his beliefs about those things helped him deal with circumstances and people and things and the trouble with life. And then in James, James says uh, in in the first chapter, he talks about trials and suffering. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials and suffering. So I want you to think about a stair step with me, okay? Um, And he says, consider it pure joy down here at the first step when you experience trials and suffering. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, I think, man, what's he, that's ridiculous. How am I supposed to be happy about that? Well, he says, hold up. He says, because those are tests of your faith, and those develop perseverance. So that, And it, per, when perseverance finishes its work, you're going to get up to this nice step. He calls it completeness, maturity, lacking nothing. Now, let me see a show of hands if you like the sound of that. Amen. Yeah. I mean, joyful, man. I can be joyful about that. I like it when I got. Everything I need, complete maturity, yeah. But he's saying, this is where you're going. This is where you may be. Be joyful now because you know what's happening. I can buy into that. Paul, Paul's peace and joy, they're not just the absence of anxiety, fear, and trouble, and suffering. He says that his peace and joy were because of the presence of God. Not that you just remove bad stuff, but that his joy and peace were more solid than that because they were based in the presence of God himself. So I want you to understand that peace and joy are not some kind of mind trick, okay? That's what our culture wants to tell you, that you just do these things and learn to laugh a bit more and you're going to have joy. No, man, that's, not a, that's a mind trick. Real peace and joy is not a mind trick. Paul's saying we can have peace and joy even in the midst of difficult situations if we remain rooted and established in the presence of Almighty God. So Christian's joy is not about just removing danger or negative thoughts. Okay, Instead, Christian joy is based on trusting and believing in the truths about God and ourselves and life. And this empowers a Christian through their disappointments and suffering. Not around them. Through them. We must keep our eyes on the prize and then I'm going to pick from a bunch of verses in Philippians here. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let us live up to what we have already attained. Our citizenship is in heaven. Not will be, is And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. This is your future. Christ has set us free to be in his presence forever. Therefore, we have everything we could ever want or need. And to to the degree that we hold this in our mind, We'll have true joy. All right, let's pray. Dear God, Lord, I just ask that, that some of the drops of medicine I'm given today would um, would take root and, and, and bring joy to the heart. Lord, I, I thank you for all the things that you have done for us, have done. Lord, I thank you that my citizenship is in heaven and that I have already attained it. And that you don't ever change, Lord. Help us with our brokenness. The prayer he sings in Jesus' name, amen.